You're listening to the SV Pod, brought to you by Spielverlagerung. In today's edition, we will briefly discuss the fallout of the transfer window before moving on to the beauty that is the Bundesliga mid-table. So if you love your Stuttgarts and Werder Bremens, then you are in the right place. My name is Konstantin Eckner and with me again is the Willi Orban to my Konrad Leimer, Abel Mescharosch. Hi, Abel. <laughs> That's fantastic. Your intros keep getting uh, better, but yeah, I mean, right now it's it's kind of Willy Orban's week because you know he's scoring scoring the goals against Schalke and scoring the goal for Hungary to take them to the brink of the uh, European Championship. So I'll, I'll take that. And that, that, I think that also means that you're injured right now. If if I'm reading this metaphor right, yes, yes, and also you are the center back that should feed me, you know, me the, right. the, the midfield engine of. Are we Leipzig? And yes, uh, that's something. I mean, I didn't know if I should uh, call you something else. You know, you could be the Michael Preetz to my Bruno Labadia, for instance. I think I think that 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 that's really cool. Yeah, yeah no, but then we're both strikers, so yeah, no, no, that will work. All right, okay. Or are you the Axel Witzel to my Jude Bellingham? Okay, that, that's even that's even better. Now now we're now we're on the right team as well. So. <laughs> um, but I, I think we want to talk about transfers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, but, I mean, we could also talk about partnerships and uh, just mm -hmm. as, as, especially the quirkiness of the Bundesliga. But let's talk about the transfer market, the summer transfer window, and especially the winners of this transfer window in the Bundesliga. And I already tweeted it out, and I say it again now on the pod. I think the, win uh, the winners of the window in the Bundesliga, Arminia Bielefeld. What's your take? Yeah, I, I was like, so I, when, when we were, we had to do, a, on, on our, we have a TV show in Hungary and we, we had to do, like I was asked to grade the transfers, which is something, it's a cool idea. I, I don't think I've ever done that before, but it's very common, obviously in the US, like you'll do, you'll see the major American outlets do this for any, any kind of, you know, like free agency or, or whatever in basketball. Um, and I think we we don't really do that much in, in European football, like in terms of all all of these all these uh, Bundesliga teams. And and I like when I I try to give like a one through ten, and there was maybe like two or three teams that were like one and twos, and I could kind of talk myself into a bunch of teams that were like six to eight, but I don't think anybody had like higher than an eight uh, for obvious reasons. So. There was like three teams for me that were really, really high. Um, Hertha was one of them. Augsburg was one of them. And, and like Bielefeld mostly came pretty high because they got Arne Meyer at the end. So they were, they're probably like for me, there would be, I don't think there would be like the clear winners. I think there would be like one of the big winners with, with those two aforementioned teams. And maybe we should probably throw like Union Berlin in there as well. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the the reason why I think that uh, Bielefeld auto winners, and of course that's debatable, is that they, especially coming up from the second Bundesliga, and usually mm -hmm. you need to improve your squad significantly. And there have been clubs in the past who tried to just you know go with what they had and basically do only at a very few players to what they had. Um, and sometimes it paid off because the team chemistry, and I mean, I know that's a weird word, especially uh, as we are very analytics-driven, but the team chemistry seemed right. Um, but usually you should add a few players to 
up your quality. And I think Bielefeld, yes, they won the Bundesliga 2, the second Bundesliga, um, but they were in a place where they knew that uh, the squad wasn't up to par for the Bundesliga. So um, just to name a few signings they made, and that's the reason I think that uh, they are the winners, is uh, first of all, Rizzo Dohan. Um, mm-hmm. He's only on loan, but I think he's he might be the most important piece mm-hmm. in their attack because he, he he's like obviously a winger by education by training if you can t- uh, say that um, but now he's more in the in a center position in a number eight position it's like a number eight yeah yes kind of number eight um even like a number 10 in some in some um in situations mm-hmm. you know acts like one behind fabian close who tends to drift to the wings so dohan making a few steps forward you know going into these these pockets um just i think he is a great addition and he's also from a technical standpoint or like his technicality mm-hmm. um, his technique is yes that's someone who can really be um a good to great bundesliga player i think down the line so um great addition i think he is one then of course when you look at the uh, back four they have mike van der Horn. Mm-hmm. who came from Swansea, you know, his contract ran out, so a little bit of an underdog story there, an underdog element to his story. I think he's crucial that the centre-back pairing works quite well um, right now, and uh, Nathan de Medina, who, I mean, who got injured during the first yeah. match against Eintracht Frankfurt, but even in the first 20 or so minutes, he showed that he might be one of the stars among the fullbacks in the Bundesliga um, down the road, so... Also, great addition. Uh, Sergio Cordova, also as a left winger. Um, mm. yeah, I mean, everyone knows him from Augsburg. He also um, adds a lot. I, as, as if it, these are all these players I've mentioned are all starting players if they are fit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's four players alone who have been added to the first uh, to the starting eleven. And now you mentioned Arne Meyer. I mean, he has mm-hmm. he has been signed or he was signed. Um, shortly before the window closed, so we will see how this thing works out. But I, I mean, usually if he gets back to where he was before, he, he dropped and it was injured, and so he dropped in in performance um, last season. But if he gets back to his his usual self, basically, I think he will also be a starting uh, player and a, a part of the starting eleven. So you got five maybe even six if you look at some of the other signings players that are right now in the starting 11 and Armenia they have done quite well for themselves um, early on in the season so I think that's that's a almost a perfect window for an, for a side that got promoted recently um, and also given that they barely spend any money on these players yeah. I mean, like that's a big. I mean, that's a big factor, especially in in the, mm-hmm. in the current economic situation, but also in general, because Bielefeld they don't have any money and they don't want to overspend because they yeah, exactly. were you know close to being bankrupt a couple of years ago. So just they they don't want to take the risk. They they even said that if they go down again, if they are relegated mm-hmm. because they didn't overspend, then that's fine and all because it's better to be you know solid financially than to be bankrupt but maybe in the in the in the bundesliga because like then you will be dropped the next year or so it's just a natural um natural turn of things so yeah sorry i interrupted you I throw the ball no, back to you like yeah i was just thinking that like the the, the last season's team had you know the big one of the big players was jonathan klaus who who went along right the french, french player who, who i think might have been one of their better players and, and replacing him and like early on when you mentioned that uh you know, 
the, the issues. I think I think Paderborn are kind of a relevant example here because they kind of came up last season under similar circumstances, um, just like a, a pretty a pretty dominant team in the Zweite Liga, and um, obviously similarly low budget. And they and I think their biggest thing was that, that they actually had to sell uh, had to sell two of their best players or like Tekpatai I think wasn't was like alone to them, but Schalke and then Philip Clement right, who was probably their their biggest star. Like ended up staying in the Zweite Liga with Stuttgart, and we will talk about him how important he is uh, for like triple the money just because of wages. So just because I think Bielefeld for for that um, reason, you have to give a lot of credit to Sami Arabi, their their sporting director. Um, I, I, I like the Arne Meyer deal because he he's someone that I I still think really really highly. Um, he's you know he's still only twenty one, so he, he's a guy who I'm I'm kind of like. I mean, I understand why Hertha have like not, you know, been able to incorporate him, but I also don't think it's right that they're like not, you know, incorporating him and they're they're moving in this, you know, big city club direction. And when when I looked at Bielefeld, maybe we can get into like some of the games that they played. Um, they like my issue for them was sometimes um, like. The, the team structure was a little bit too long in, in the sense that there were a lot of gaps defensively between like some of the pressing players and some of the, the back line, which wasn't always that high. And maybe Arne Meyer is not really known for some of that stuff, but like, you know, he can be somebody who can hold on to the ball. Because I think right now, like basically their main playmakers, their goalkeeper, Stefan Ortega, who we should mention uh, as one of the standout players. But I think they need somebody with, with a little bit more control and tempo. And I think Doan can be that guy. But 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 Arne Meyer certainly, you know, I don't know if they're planning. I don't know. What do you think? Are they going to play him as like a number six into the pretel? Or are they going to think of him as an eight next to Doan? Like, what do you what do you see? Uwe Neuhaus, how do you see him using him? I think as a number six, because you got Dohan, as mm -hmm. mentioned, and um, Hertel is also, he is... Oh yeah, he's, he's, he's great, a, yeah. He's, he's great, he's and also around. his place in the starting 11 is set in stone. Mm -hmm. he's, there's exactly. no way he gets trapped from the starting 11 unless he you know, does something horrible or makes a lot of mistakes, but usually he will also have a spot. So I think they signed on a Meyer, especially for the reasons you just mentioned, that they wanted to have someone... Um, as a number six or maybe as a center back so they have signed a couple of center backs already so maybe for like it's good to have a number six someone who can hold on to the ball and progress the ball um because that's the big issue is really that they have trouble against high presses um mm -hmm. when they don't really have the the poise um and also the the skills to an extent to um break for these uh pressing lines it's just I mean, Ortega can do it with like the the basically testing s kind of yeah. balls into the into midfield, but even that, I mean, that's that's risky. That can work against you, and, and, and on occasions at least, um, because like, yeah, I mean, sometimes you get through the ball gets um, through one of the lines, through one of the pressing lines, but sometimes you know you get intercepted quite quickly, and then you know have to immediately get into counter pressing. So. Overall, I think they really thought that a technical number six with enough mm -hmm. athleticism, and that's exactly what Anna Meyer is, you know, has stamina, yep. but mm -hmm. is 
basically defines himself more as a technical number six, um, mm-hmm. someone with control over the ball. So I think that's why they saw a chance to get him um, because Hertha did other moves um, during the last few days and hours of the transfer window, um, you know, pumping up their uh, number six, number eight um, yeah. co- cohort, basically. Um, so they thought, like, yeah, why not Why not get Arna Meyer? And I, I think for Arna Meyer, it's also a great move because remember that before he got injured, before he had a significant drop in performance and just um, yeah. he was close to being a German international, yeah, it's the golden boy with, with like Havertz. And I remember the Elf Freunde cover yes. where he's like the future of Germany. But yeah, I think then Real, the... and I think he was stuck in at Hertha. Or he realized oh, he, that was, he was yeah, stuck. Yeah. And but did they yeah, sign Toussaint? They have Darida, you know, it's just I think he realized that there's no way that he will get a, a spot in the stadium. I mean even Aska Sibar can't can't really get any playing time, right? Like that's that's interesting, you know. Um, like one of one thing I want to just mention with Bielefeld is that even the Zweite Liga last season, like they they spent like almost the most time in their own third, you know, which which you know thirty one percent of the time, and they spent like the fewest time in the opposition uh, third. So uh, I think you know the coming coming into the Bundesliga, obviously where there's you know much much better pressing. I think not that it's necessarily more intense, but I think there'll be smarter teams. I think that will be, as you mentioned, that will probably be the reason with, with that for, for having Arne Meyer and, you know, strengthening maybe the fullbacks now and maybe getting getting some faster guys. Because I think this is something that I saw them do against Frankfurt is um, they will still be like a counter-attacking team at times, um, although not exactly because... I think the Bremen game, didn't they have like 70% possession or 60, whatever amount? Um, so it's 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 going to be a nice mix for them. But uh, sometimes, as you mentioned, they need to make sure that they have ways of coming out against the press. And I think Meyer is going to be a really good example of that. Absolutely. So let's just briefly talk about mm-hmm. the second club that, or the second winner of the mm-hmm. second big winner of the window let's put it that way um and that's in my opinion at least union berlin mm-hmm. because just you know just look at the at the names first and foremost max Kruse. we talked about him on last show but max Kruse, big big get i think robin koch uh, robin knocher sebastian kriesbeck <laughs> cedric teuschert joel brandballo and loris karios and even andreas luther they got all of them for Zero, mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, of course, I some some Asian fees, well, right? but but for zero, yeah, like, for nothing in terms of uh, transfer fees. Yeah, I, th- I also like Nico uh, Gieselman, who hasn't really played that much, but I think he's a fairly quality. And Schlotterbeck you know, also on loan. So, yeah, I mean, yes, I, 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 yeah. but but Although the uh, and the better Schlotterbeck, Nico Schlotterbeck, who, who I think is a kind of a breakout star at center back, and. Uh, I think Keita Endo is another guy that I that I really like. He um, he played finally in the test match they had during the week and looked really, really good. I think you, you mentioned sort of Ritsu Doan as sort of a technical winger. I think Keita Endo very much can be that guy. Um, I, I, like, I go back and forth on, on Union because obviously for, for them, the, the big thing was, you know, Sebastian Andersson leaving and Gikiewicz. So they lost, like, two of those guys that were basically responsible for their promotion um, from the Zweite Liga and, you know, like some of the kind of, 
you know, other guys like Nevin Subotic, who was still still around there, you know, Schmiede Bach-Parenzen retired. So, like, there, a lot of little, like, this club is kind of changing its identity, right? And I, I don't just mean that with the players, but I think also in terms of stylistically, like, last season, they had, like, I think 13 open play goals or some, something um, really, really, uh, well, I don't want to say dreadful, but, like, you know, it was a, it, it worked for them, but um, I think once the COVID break came out, they they really they really struggled, and and I think uh, they were pretty lucky that they banked a bunch of points early, and they were never really under serious relegation threat. But um, I had a lot of questions going into the season of the, whether this is going to work with Urs Fischer now coaching a different team because now I think this team wants to have more position. They want to play out of the back with Knoche, who's a good passer. Griesbeck can can drop back. I think they're using Gushapram a little bit differently. Schlotterbeck can definitely like carry the ball. He's he's actually had some really good carries. And obviously with Kruse, who's who's a completely different kind of num- false nine, number ten, um, swimming number nine as as Lucien Favre likes to call him. I I was kind of hesitant. I I didn't think it worked too well against Augsburg, but um, it worked really well against Mainz. But my question is like, maybe was that just Mainz? But then they also looked decent against Gladbach. So I certainly think like it's it's fairly it's a fairly solid window. And I I was I still like you know I still think that it's more likely that they're not going to have relegation problems. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I mean, neither. I mean, I, I think I'm not as high on them as others. Uh, I, th- I still mm-hmm. think that there are plenty of clubs uh, in the Bundesliga that could finish ahead of Union um, because for the reasons you just mentioned. First and foremost, they lost their main striker. I think losing Andersen is, is much worse than losing Gikiewicz, although Gikiewicz was important for the, for their success. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, Loris Karius, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people know him for the wrong reasons. Um, so maybe he's not the solution. I think Lute is a solid Bundesliga keeper. So I think you're set there. You, they don't really have someone replacing Andersen. I mean, it's not Teuscher, it's mm-hmm. not Poyan Palo, and it's not Max Kruse, of course. So And they were playing Ingwardsen at, at, at center yes. forward, and that, that didn't really look great. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think they, that's the main concern for them is uh, what they are going to do with the center back, uh, center forward position. That's, that's mm-hmm. the first thing. Second thing is I don't know if um, you know changing your identity um, helps you. I usually I'm all for you know clubs you know focusing on possession much more yeah, exactly. and not being that um, you know reliant on uh, counter attacks, long balls, you know aerial duels, and so on. On the other hand, I mean, if it doesn't work out, if you can't really get your possession game going, um, then it also can backfire. And then you, what? What do you then? You know. Um, so I don't. I'm not sure, but I think because I brought them up because of the transfer window, I think that just Union did very well on the transfer market. Also, given that their resources are really, really limited, it's just they don't really have the kind of money to spend on transfer fees, especially with losing all the ticket revenue um, mm, because of the COVID yeah. situation. I mean, that's why Union are one of the clubs in Germany yeah. that are adamant about getting fans back and they want to you know, they try to do everything mm. they can to get the fans back because they, they need these 20,000 paying customers or paying supporters, of course, um, 
every hour Saturday. They just need them because they need the money. But that tells you a lot about their situation on the financial side. Um, so, I mean, getting Knoche, I know Knoche has fallen from grace a little bit <laughs> because it's just, you know, he was considered an uh, upcoming star um, at Wolfsburg for, for a while, but then never fully came to fruition. Um, Griesbeck coming from the second Bundesliga, but I, but I think he's a great signing, especially for a club like Union. Yeah, he's quality, yeah. Yes, absolutely. At, at the number six position, absolutely. I mean, at Heidenheim, he was tremendous. He was one of their best players. Um, for a while also he has really shown that he can can he's also similar in a way to Arne Meyer although Griesbeck is more physical than Arne Meyer mm -hmm. yeah, but, but in a way they are comparable and especially Griesbeck will uh, have a similar role to what probably Arne Meyer will have at, at Bielefeld it's um, you know holding onto the ball bringing control in center midfield breaking pressing lines all these things you know uh, also assuring your teammates that when you have the ball there's no need to panic so that's basically Kreisbeck and then in in transition moments counter pressing like Kreisbeck is physical intense and also great timing in terms of like when he when he steps up and when not so I think he's a great great signing and yeah as I said a goalkeeper situation we will yeah, see but But in general, I mean, they have they have done pretty well, and as I said, they have not a lot to work with in terms of money. Yeah, and like the thing I like about them is that they're going to have a pretty easy schedule because they're still playing. They're playing Schalke next, and and Freiburg at home, which I think is giving them trouble last season. But still, it should be the Schlotterbeck the Schlotterbeck derby. But uh, and then it's 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 not, and then you know, so so they can bank a few points, you know in the first five match days where and they can all of a sudden look look pretty good and not really might not have to worry about relegation like my my thing with them playing out of the back is that one of the things i would do if i were them is 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 not have robin Knoche as like the left-sided center back because he actually is like he's like leading the league and like pass completions and progressive passes and all this stuff because they have they had the ball so much but like he's kind of when he gets pressed especially when he's To work, like he gets pressure from the right side, so he's kind of on his left foot. I think he's ten, he's got a tendency to be a little bit erratic. And you have Schlotterbeck, who Nico Schlotterbeck, who's left-footed. So I would just play him there, and then maybe put Knocke as like a right center back, or like when they play three in the back, that's that, that's with Griezmann. Sometimes that, that's also good, but um, that that would be my mind, my minor suggestion because they do they do well with the attacking fullbacks. And they have Bilter and Kruse finally played well, so. I, I still think they're gonna they're gonna be fine, and I really like their transfer window overall. Now, now that I've seen them, you know, I was I had some more questions before, but now that I've seen them, um, I like it more. Well, coming from Union Berlin, one of the poorer clubs of the league, let's talk briefly, really briefly, about the richest club, the wealthiest club of the league, and one of the wealthiest clubs in Europe, I, I believe, uh, Bayern Munich. And not so much about their transfer in the overall. I mean, we know they, they signed Leroy Sané, of course. That was months ago when they closed the deal. Um, so there's no need to talk about him. But they made four signings <laughs> shortly before the window closed. Looked a little bit like panic there at Munich. You know, they, they maybe <laughs> realized that their squad was as thin as a squad can be, basically, in these times. So they signed... Uh, Buna Zah, right back, Mark Rocker, center midfielder, Douglas Costa, ringer, 
and of course the one and only living legend Eric Maxim Schupomuting. <laughs> what do you make of Bayern? The adding one player to each of the the parts of the team, basically. You know, one defender, one midfielder, one winger, and one striker. Mm -hmm. It, I mean, it, of course, they already had Nübel there, so there wasn't any need to add another goalkeeper. Um, they already have a yeah. pretty class goalkeeper uh, sitting on the bench for probably most of the time this season. But there will be something. But uh, what do you make of, like, they, um, I mean, it wasn't even that they spent so much money. As, um, Mark Rockhart you know, transfer no, they, fee 10 million and, and uh, Eric Massim Schumoteng it's like he was a free agent Douglas Costa comes mm -hmm. on loan so it's not like they spend a lot of money but they try to get players what do you make of that? I mean like it's interesting because um, like Mark Rockhart was 40 million last season so uh, and they got relegated with Espanyol and he's still a really really quality player a kind of a deep lying playmaker left footed obviously huge ball progression he, you know, he's not, like, great defensively, but um, I think, obviously, like, the big thing with Bayern is needing to replace Thiago, right? And and one of the things that the recent matches, and I, and I count sort of, like, from the Super Cup against Sevilla onto Hoffenheim and uh, Dortmund, like, all those matches showed that this is a team that's really vulnerable, and particularly because all the pressing numbers are down. Like, I, I, I'm going to write something on this for, for my newsletter, but... Uh, the, the the intensity and you can just see this when you're watching their games it's just obviously not going to be as high with um you know not having much of a preseason and all these guys have just won like five trophies in a year Hansi Flick whatever um but so Hansi Flick has been on this mission of like making sure that he has a squad to work with and it seemed like every Bayern fan and also the Bayern board were just like nah we're just winning all the titles we're good like we could just roll it back and we don't need anybody, but I think as, as soon as they like realized, I think, and this is kind of building up with Sevilla, like getting close to beating them. Um, obviously, the Hoff I think the big the thing, the turning point was the Hoffenheim match because it wasn't just that Hoffenheim beat them, but they exposed them. Like they put up like 3.8 expected goals and just, you know, just balls over the top and, and, and really, really um, just almost like you can say destroyed Bayern, which doesn't really happen that often now. Um, and so I think that that kind of and you saw this like the Bayern brass was there and it was painfully evident that they needed players. So I I like actually all these signings in a vacuum um, and I, altogether. Bunasar is somebody like is twenty eight. I think he's a very dribbly like attacking. He's a former winger who turned right back. So but um, can be a little bit erratic at times. But uh, apparently like a super great locker room guy so that'll be interesting and obviously a lot of french speakers in in, in the bayern dressing room as well um so super motang i like because he can play a bunch of different i know like he's a bit of a meme but he can play like the number 10 even like Lewandowski backup he can kind of play as a winger and he's not going to complain if he, he plays like 10 minutes which i think he, most of the time like he will just play like 10 20 minutes and maybe like you know play against uh well they're not playing shot again but like you know some, 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 I was going to say some relegation candidate when, they, when, they, when Lewandowski needs a break because he looked tired um, Douglas Costa obviously was was the, was titled the mercenary by Uli Hoeneß when, when he left so it'll be interesting when he comes back he was okay at Juventus when he played but he's obviously hurt a lot my my thing with Mark Roca is I, I will be looking to see if he can play with Kimmich and kind of be like 
the, the Tiago, or I, I think it's like they're going to use Kimmich as like the Tiago, like somebody who's higher up the pitch and doing more like final third thing. And they're going to use like Roca as somebody who's like the deeper progressor. So I like all those. I just don't like the timing of it. I think I, I mentioned this like a, a couple of places where like all these guys, you probably could have had like a month ago, right? Like, you know, uh, most of these guys are loan, the free agent. Um, okay. Roca was already relegated and, you know, he was, I think he basically pulled out of like a, a second division match. So I, I think you could have had these guys for roughly the similar amount of money. And then you, then you probably, you know, would have given them a preseason would have, well, not preseason, but some trainings. So I don't know. I just don't like the timing of it. I don't know what you think. Mm, yeah. I didn't like the timing either. And I mean, that Bayern wasn't the only club that made in my opinion, at least, too many signings too late. Uh, there were other yeah. clubs also, uh, not in the Bundesliga, I think most of the clubs had done most of their deals way before the end of the window, but if you look across Europe, there were a couple of even like high-level clubs where I think like they have you know, more sustainable planning and you know they have an idea where they want to go and they have the resources to also get the players they want or at least you know the kind of players they want they have um, a large recruiting and scouting department and things should move smoothly and should uh, should go smoothly um, but that's why I also was kind of confused or surprised that Bayern signed so many players late um, and I mean you made arguments for most of them I can totally agree I think Mark Rocker is the most important signing they made um, because mm -hmm. you got Kimmich and Goretzka in center midfield, and that's a great pairing that can work uh, with Kimmich having more touches compared to when he was partnered with um, Thiago, and uh, more responsibility in terms of build-up, um, in terms of like ball progression when he plays these long balls. It's like his, you know, it's kind of thing he likes to do, as opposed to maybe Thiago is more of a short mid, mid medium range uh, passer, um, but. I mean, Kimmich can also play the, the short passes, but he likes to play these these long yeah. diagonal passes. Um, in in a way, what Boateng did for a while at Bayern when he was the star center back, um, these long diagonal um, balls were really crucial to Bayern's success a few years ago. And I think Kimmich is there to reintroduce some of them or some of that style again. Um, so Mark Rocker can really lift some of the some of the burden uh, off their shoulders uh, meaning Kimmich and Goretzka because he can play as a left-sided center midfielder ball pro ball progressor maybe deeper than or in a deeper position than Goretzka or even Kimmich but you know you can also with him you have the option to have a midfield free with him uh, Kimmich and maybe Tolisso who has improved and is more part of the, of the team than he was a year ago or so. I think yeah. he, it's just, you know, naturally he has to step up now. Um, he's no, no one no one left on the bench. So I think Mark Rocker, really, that, that signing made sense. Douglas Costa is there for depth. I think that's, that's it. I, think, I don't think they, they plan with him as a starter. I think he will take um, the, the Ivan Perisic role, basically. Yeah. Two guys are hurt, then he will be on the pitch. And if only one is hurt, then he will be the super sub. But not more than that. I don't think that Douglas mm -hmm. Costa at this stage in his career is really a starter or has the quality, uh, the kind of um, yeah, the kind of uh, performance yeah. abilities to be a starter for Bayern. And the same, or even, and that's even more true 
when it comes to um, Shupomoting, who is I think the Shupomoting signing in a way is 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 probably disappointing to um, Turksy, who yeah probably thought of himself as the you know backup striker to Lewandowski and even the the backup number ten more or less to Thomas Müller in a way you know, because Thomas Müller is mm -hmm. not a, not a traditional number ten. So I think actually Musiala is going to be the backup number 10 because he's more of a 10 than a winger. He is, um, but I think, I think uh, that's he is, but and I covered Musiala's uh, career already a little bit. Um, I think he is, really? yes, but but it was expected that he would play more on the wing at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, uh, easier position, you know, has more more freedom there, not that, especially because Thomas Müller is maybe the one player mm -hmm. they have. Uh, Yeah, and and Kimmich probably um, that will play a lot because like you, there's yeah. only one Thomas Müller, and that's true in more than one way. Um, so, but I think with Maxim Choupo-Moting now, with Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting coming in, um, he can he can play that Thomas Müller role actually because he's like mm -hmm. kind of yeah. this weird secondary striker. I mean, he's he's tall, so I think a lot of people think of him as a as a center forward because he's tall, but he's not. Like a, a guy right. who gets in these uh, aerial duels and will dominate uh, opposition in, in in the air. He's actually, despite being tall, he's more of a, a, bay, a ground based player, um, and mm -hmm. that's why yeah. I think. And he's not really a center forward. And there were matches uh, for when he played for uh, par Paris where he was on the wing and and Mbappe was in the middle. So mm -hmm. he was he was a right winger or a left winger, and, and Neymar and Mbappe, one of them, played in the middle. Um, so that tells you a lot. Um, so I think he could be also backup for Thomas Müller, um, by, by so, being the secondary striker to Lewandowski. Um, and Musala is also he's more of a traditional number 10 in a mm -hmm. clear cut four two three one or so. Um, so I don't know because Müller's role is different. He's 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 basically he's a secondary striker and also number eight. But he's not a, n a number 10. He's everything but a yeah. number 10. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's he just shows up in the 10 positions, but like he's never, he's never, it's like kind of like when Messi shows up in the nine position, like what Guardiola tells him, it's like Muller showing up in a 10 position, but he's not. He doesn't want him to, to, to be there. Like what I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of something that I, I thought about watching the few Bayern matches to start the season, because like the, Obviously, fixed teams dominated with a lot of the counter-pressing and, and playing a really high line and scoring in transition. But the one area where I think they could improve is, is build up out of the back. And I was wondering if, like, these signings, who I think, like, pretty much, you know, all these guys are fairly press-resistant because, you know, at least three of them are really good dribblers and Mark Roca is a pretty pretty good progressor, great progressor even, probably. Um, I was wondering, because when I saw, like, the Chris Richards or even, like, Pavar kind of starting out slow or, like, when they were playing Davies as a winger or even just, like, having different center-back rotations and, like, Zula played a lot more, I felt like Bayern were easily pressable and, like, Sevilla showed this really well. I think to some extent Hoffenheim. I was wondering maybe if you agree with me if, that had something to do with these signings as well. In what sense? And obviously losing Thiago. Well, I just think like, because they lost Thiago, right? And, yes. And so, so, so this is going to be like, who do they, who do they have to, to build up out of the back that they can overcome pressing. And I think also because everybody knows this is going to be a tired Bayern team and they're going to play all these games. Like, it seems like it's more 
lucrative to to press them. So I was thinking maybe these these players were bought because, or maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too much into this. I just want to get your take on what you think. I I just believe they thought they needed additional players just to depth. test, mm-hmm. okay. especially because um, even after a few matches already, like some of these players yeah, yeah. looked so tired. And then you got someone like, I mean, it's also like, in a way, let's say Pavar gets injured and Kimmich has to go uh, and play right back again yeah. without Saw being there, um, you know, in, in a scenario where they don't have Saw or any other right back because they were also, as reported, they were close to signing uh, Sergio Dest. Um, then they thought about errands and, you know, there were, were different names uh, flowing around and, and most of them were true in, in, in the sense that they that these names mm-hmm. were on their list and they were in contact with agents. So I think they just knew that they needed few other pl- uh, few additional players mm-hmm. to just get more, you know, get, get more time for their starting players and their star players to rest. Um, especially in matches where they where they are winning at halftime and they think like all right we can we can take it easy from mm-hmm. here um but if Lewandowski or Müller or Pavard or Kimmich if they are on the field they never um go off off the gas with their foot it's just not what they do yeah. so you basically as as Hansi Flick you have to get them off the pitch um to let them rest a little bit but you need someone you need you need at least players that are mature veteran players and i think in terms of um mark rocker maxim shabumating even saw although he's not experienced at the highest level maybe but he's still experienced and douglas costa four experienced players so not yeah. they didn't invest in in young guys they invested in guys that can if Bayern are leading two nil three nil at halftime or yeah, after exactly. 60 minutes they can just go um you know go in there and just manage the game and get over with it it's like it's, someone like Douglas Costa, for instance, he gets he gets in there thirty minutes. He's still fast, mm-hmm. so just beats a couple of defenders, maybe and gives an assist to someone, and, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. about it. And he calls a day. He calls it a day. And uh, I think Maxime Choupo-Moting was also used in in that sense at Paris by yep. you know, his his favorite fan Thomas Tuchel, um, <laughs> or his, his his biggest his fan. Only I should fan. say. Sorry, <laughs> his only fan. No, I don't think so. I mean, he has, a, he has a couple of fans in, uh, left at Mainz, I think. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Tuchel... Actually, the players players are a big fan because apparently, like, he was the guy that was super, like, locker room presence. And uh, it seemed like Neymar was big friends with him and all those guys. And I think, like, he's probably... He seems like a really nice guy to get along with. So I don't want to... Actually, I think because of the versatility and I mentioned, like, you need... I think they did this last season, right? Like, with Perisic and Coutinho, where they, they signed these guys who were, you know... It's, it's a little bit like in the NBA they do this one like you're the like the Miami Heat used to do this one like they spent all the money on like LeBron and Chris Bosh and, and Dwayne Wade where like you needed like an 11th guy or 12th guy off the bench and, and I think that's it's true in football where you, you need to be like the the 17th and 18th guy who doesn't mind if he plays like five minutes sometimes or 10 minutes absolutely I mean especially at Bayern because, because there are players who will never be starting players unless there's like an injury crisis and and they know that. Yeah. I mean, if, if you are Shupumuting and you sign with Bayern, then there are two scenarios. Lewandowski will be fit the entire season, so you will be his backup the entire season. 
and and you have to be fine with it. Like like Maxime Chupotin, he can't uh, now go to the to the media and tell everyone that he's like pissed because Lewandowski is the starting line. Like, that's ridiculous in a, in a way. And also, um, then you are out the door probably because Bayern expect you to be silent <laughs> and to be a good guy and, and to to play ball. Um, and on the other hand, like if Lewandowski gets injured, then of course he will play, and he he knows that he has to be ready. And so, but I think these guys, and even Douglas Costa, I think he was different a few years ago when he played for Bayern, but now he knows yeah. his role. He knows that uh, Lira Sané and Serge Gnabry and even Kingsley Coman, that these three are ahead of him. It's just, uh, mm-hmm. if, if you if you look at it from an outside perspective, or even just, if you look at it, you know, without tinted glasses, then you know that... Um, there's no way you are ahead of these three, especially they are the established players, the established wingers, and they are younger than you. Um, and you are the, the guy on loan at Bayern. You're the old guy now. So of course um, they are ahead of you and you have to accept it. And I think in some of these negotiations also talked about it, that basically yeah, that's your role, right? I mean, you get mm-hmm. your time. We, we count on you, but we have Serge, we have Leroy, we have Kingsley. These are, of course, our guys. You know, we we want to build them up to become even better than they are now. Uh, especially in terms, you know, when you look at Leroy and Leroy Sané and Serge Knappi, these are really young guys. And um, also, with you know, looking at the German national team, um, Bayern is always always interested in having German internationals. Yep. Uh, because of just you know, they think that's their identity to be the best team in Germany and. Um, rely on German internationals. So of course they want to build them up um, and not you know, waste them on the bench uh, because they have Douglas Costa on the pitch. That's that's not how it went. Yeah. Well, we wanted to talk briefly about the transfer window and obviously briefly means 40 minutes. So <laughs> let's move on and at least cover a few teams uh, of what I called um, Bundesliga mid-table. So not mid-table obscurity, of course. Yeah, there's no there's no obscurity in the Bundesliga table. Um, and let's start with Werder Bremen. Werder okay. Bremen, they are seventh currently in the Bundesliga. And my first question is, or my question that came to mind when you know I took some notes for this show was, are they the worst seventh placed Bundesliga club in history? <laughs> yeah, I mean. I, I take your point in the, like, it's been kind of rough watching them. And then, like, this is one of the things that, you know, we were talking before we went on the air about predictions, how you can made to, like, you can be made to look dumb. And I was actually pretty high on Bremen coming into this season. I recorded a podcast with somebody who follows Bremen pretty closely. And, you know, they had, like, a perfect uh, uh, preseason. And, you know, it looked like they were going to maybe keep some of the players uh, including Davy Klassen, who now is back with Ajax. Uh, they managed to keep Rashica, but mostly because of the uh, incompetence, I guess, of uh, getting the loan, the deal uh, with Leverkusen, I guess, just running out of time. Um, but, yeah, if you kind of think like, oh, they got six points, it's like, maybe this is a good team. But, like, if you actually watch these matches, it was, you know, it was not great to watch, especially the Hertha match and even like the Armenia one, I think you, you, you watched that one more closely than I did. And uh, it didn't look great when they had like 35% or 36% position and basically just hung on and got the VAR calls to uh, deny our, our hero Sven Shiplock from two assists. 
Um, and with the transfer market, I think a lot of the Bremen fans that I see on Twitter are super freaked out because of Frank Baumann. So obviously they, the big thing with them is that they were like, apparently there was like, they were going to take out a 30 million loan because uh, of the poor finances. And so that was the, the starting point because they, 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 the, as soon as they stayed in the league, all those uh, contracts, which I think Frank Bauman made uh, the previous season when they were trying to push into Europa League and, and in those spots, which now looks funny given that they were like minutes away from relegation, like the, the Toprak and uh, Bittencourt, although Davy Selka, I think Davy Selka is not final yet, but like all those other deals became uh, obligations to buy. So they already were out like 11 or 12 million, um, which is not great when you're trying to you know, add to the team. And so they ended up having to sell Klassen. And basically, I think, had anybody come in with a better offer for Rashica, they probably would have. And I think, you know, he's, he's, it doesn't seem like he wants to be there very much. And yeah, they've got a lot of issues. And maybe you can, you can go through some of those issues, but it's, it's not a great, uh, it's not a great atmosphere at Verde, despite, you know, a good, good start by points. Yeah, I mean the start in terms of points, yeah, was great. Of course, playing against Schalke is like a gift yeah. to most clubs right now. <laughs> um, so uh, that that doesn't count, you know. I think wins against Schalke shouldn't count right now. Just yeah, just cut them uh, from like the record, buy, scratch right? them from the record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just Automatic a bye week. Buy. Yeah, it's just a bye <laughs> week. We don't we, we don't count that uh, and move on. And so they have only one win against Arminia Bielefeld. Um, <laughs> no, but but I think the biggest issue they have right now um, is that, or let's say in the bigger picture, what what one of the issues is that they can be great for thirty minutes and then they can be horrible for another thirty minutes, mm -hmm. like that. Them being like great and horrible, it like it goes, it's fluid. Um, even during matches, you they go up and down, it's, it's, and uh, there's more to it than just tactics and and um, and basically uh, tactical changes and what the opponents do. It's I think there's also a mental aspect there um, that they don't really have any self confidence that, that they don't really believe in their abilities. But it's it's hard to, to measure, as we know, it's hard to measure that. But from the outside. Sometimes we believe that there's something wrong with the team in a way. Because like any kind of resistance that comes from the opponents, like oh, make them crumble basically. I mean, if things go well, mm -hmm. then they go really well. But usually, throughout 90 minutes, you have some obstacles um, to overcome, and that's for Werder Bremen. That's the biggest um, issue for them, I think, um, struggling with any kinds of obstacles. But in terms of you know, from a tactical point of view. I think the biggest issue is that they, they don't really have a midfield right now. Um, I mean, it sounds weird, but it is. Like, they, they sold David Larsen and didn't replace him with anyone. They were interested in Kuric. Um, there were talks about Bintalep um, and I think about uh, Kevin Stöger. So, about, you know, maybe Kuric, Stöger... Who went to Mainz now. Right? Who, who went to Mainz, yes. Um, Stöger, Kuric, they could have been number eight, you know, replacing yep. Klaassen because usually they play with three midfielders. Mm -hmm. um, so now they have their number six is Eggestein, Maximilian Eggestein, who's not a number six. He's yep. just not defensively. He's not a number six. He can't cover um, large chunks of space very well. So he, he doesn't move around very well when um, in, in defense, but he's their number six. So that's 
a point of concern, you know, as a reason for concern, to have him as your number six. As good as he is as a playmaker, and he's really a great playmaker, but remember that he, when he came up from the youth ranks of Werder Bremen and you know, being a youth player at the German national team, he was the number 10 of the German youth national mm -hmm. teams. So then he moved yeah. back a little bit into center midfield. That's all right. That happens to a lot of players. But then he moved even further back and became a number six. And now he's their sole number six. That's it. They have uh, Patrick Eras, who was signed from mm -hmm. Nuremberg. Problem is that he wasn't even on the bench in the past few matches. And he, he even questions the decision um, to sign with Werder Bremen because like, he doesn't know what he's supposed mm -hmm. to do there when he's not even on the bench. So that, that's one thing. So Eggestein is their number six right now. All right, that's questionable. And the rest of the midfield, now they have Bittencourt, of course, who's more of a, like, he's a, he's a weird kind of, like, winger, yeah. number eight hybrid. He, he's not really a winger, but he's also not really a midfielder, so he's in between there. And, like, he's also, he's like the embodiment of Werder Bremen inconsistency. Um, he can be great <laughs> sometimes, and he can be horrible and look like an amateur player other times. So that's yeah. that's your middle field. You you got your uh, your midfield. You got Romano Schmidt, who's all right, but he hasn't been tested by Bremen. I don't know really, and that will be interesting next match day, post Klaassen, first post Klaassen match they, day. Who will play for them in midfield? Sorry, pretty decent, right? Embom who played pretty yes against Schalke. Um, but he was used as a right know, back like, against Bielefeld yeah. because they played with a back five. Yeah. So. He, I think they, they also like maybe Mewald can, you know, Injured. he's not her, but like, I think just adding to the number, number six point, um, they got rid of all those guys who could play number six, like Shaheen and, uh, Barkfrede. I think Christian Gross is still there. I think I'm, I'm the only, like we mentioned about, uh, Thomas Tuchel being the only member in the Chupamotang fan club. I think I'm the only member in the, the Christian Gross fan club who's, you know, <laughs> 30 year old who I think or 31 year old who, Uh, made the jump from the regular, but I actually like him when he when he plays. I think he came into was it the Bielefeld game that he came into? Um, but uh, I, I don't know. Like I don't think he's like a, a solution long term. But like I, I I don't mind him like being a third center back slash number six more so than Eggerstein because I think like he's maybe better with the ball. But uh, I agree with you that it's it's not great when those are your options. Yes, absolutely. Um, and yeah, Christian Kroos, he can play as number six, but I think he's he's more used as a center back because mm -hmm. I, I believe that that Kohfeldt doesn't trust his technical abilities uh, at that level. Mm -hmm. You know, his pressing resistance. So that's probably why he usually plays as an as a center back instead of his because when he played uh, regional Liga, he often played as a number six. Yeah, typical holding midfielder at that level mm -hmm. um so but in bundesliga you know being a holding midfielder is different than than reckon all league he's also like not athletic enough no for one thing <laughs> i mean he's 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 like your amateur third or fourth division player where you really can mm -hmm. see the the differences in terms of athleticism speed and just physicality between Bundesliga and like fourth division football. Like he's really, mm. you can, when you watch him play, you can really see it's not about technical abilities. I mean, there are lots of players in the fourth division or third division who are great technicians. And there are things they are lacking, and that's why they are only down there and not up there. And I think, of course, really, when you look at, when you watch his, his style and how he plays, 
there you can really see it. Um, so yeah, I, I will be really intrigued to see how Kofeld now um, finds a solution with what he what what's left there. Um, and also, I mean, maybe the, he can form some kind of of decent starting eleven. But like, if he, he doesn't have any options on the bench then left, other than maybe Chong. Yeah, who is also that's a great mm-hmm. by the way a great example of how Werder Bremen they seem all over the place. Because yeah. Ch- Chong is uh, on loan from Manchester United, and uh, he did very well against Hertha, in my opinion. You know, first match, or of course, yeah, Bremen yeah. lost for one. But he did well. He showed that you know, he has speed. He is just gifted as a tripler, but he's a natural winger. He's just yeah. he has to play outside uh, with his kind of speed, with, with his um, also tendency to go into one-on-one situations and, and in, into these one-on-ones. Right now, against Bielefeld, there wasn't even a real winger position in the system yeah. because they played a back five um, and then a three-man midfield and two strikers. Mm-hmm. So where is he supposed to play from now on? I mean, the, of course, Kofeld could change it back to a system with, with like three, uh, um, front three where he can play on the right side. But um, I don't really think that like their planning and how they put things together works because they don't really have a plan it's just they they try to get some players they like and you know chong is a good guy a good signing it's only a loan there but that's that's all right i mean um but i don't know it's just they, there's no really concept behind all what they do and that's like also letting david Clausen go without having his replacement already yeah, standing on your doorstep yeah. you know ready to sign the contract is weird yeah, not a. Uh, I think that's like Clemens Fitz, who's now their head of scouting, which which I, I thought that was kind of weird too, because it's like it's not like he's got, you know, like he was just playing in the Bundesliga, like I want to say like two years ago. So it's I'm always weird when like weirded out when you know some of those ex players get fast tracked and like he might be good at this, but you know I'm always a little bit skeptical when when stuff like this happens because. As you mentioned, that doesn't seem to be like a coherent plan, and certainly was the case last season when I, I didn't really understand all of those moves last season when they were just like loaning, you know, Kevin Folk to. I, I think he he works really well in some systems, but didn't really work at all. Uh, and you know, they had all those guys. I think they did a decent job of like letting those people go, like Pizarro or Langkamp or Finn Bartels and all those guys. But now, you know. What do you do with Rashica? What do you do with Davy Selko who's there? Like Sargent, is he going to play? Like sometimes he plays like left left sort of winger. <laughs> um, it seems like yeah, Kofeld uh, is 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 kind of losing sort of some some of the things that you know made him like coach of the year and and it's 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 a strange team. They, they've also uh, Moisander doesn't play now, right? Like they're using although I think that's probably good. Like Friedel and Vekovic a lot. It's it's a lot of things with with Bremen that I'm that I'm just not I'm just not really feeling that I, that it's not it's not going in a good direction. Um, so I would like to take that pick back where I thought they could contend for Europe. I really don't see that now, even though that they're in a much better spot points wise. Yes, absolutely. They are seventh in terms of points, and they are last in terms of passing rate. So there <laughs> yeah. you go. With a passing rate below seventy percent. Oh, that's that's horrible. Yeah. Um. But let's move on uh, to from mm-hmm. Werder Bremen 
you know, two wins on their record, but still a disappointment to us, to our favorite team, to the favorite team of this very podcast. And obviously I talk about VfB Stuttgart. Yep. The team of the pod. Like, what do you say about, or what, when you hear the name VfB Stuttgart, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, it's usually just like tradition, right? Like, or, or this kind of sleeping giantish club, which, you know, obviously, you know, can win the league at times, super academy, right? Young players. I mean, all these things that come to mind. I don't know. You kind of put me on the spot. What, <laughs> what should come to my mind? The Mercedes-Benz or Gerhard Meyer forefather? I don't know. What should, what should come to my mind? I mean, currently what comes to mind when I think about VfB Stuttgart is, of course, a tremendous midfield. Okay. Waldemar Anton playing in a back three. Yeah, the Anton Shuffle. You're you're the the author of the Anton Shuffle. I I'm the in, not the inventor because like Anton is the inventor of the Anton Shuffle, uh, <laughs> but at least I'm the um, yeah, I'm, I'm I produced the name Anton Shuffle at least. Uh, but no, I, I really I think why I like VfB Stuttgart is uh, it's not like they are they are winning the championship or something. Of course not, uh, but I like them because the team at least. Uh, 11, 14, 15 players they have. It's a great team with lots of potential and also mm -hmm. with, with various tactical options they can yep. use. And, and Matarazzo already used some of them um, over the course of the last six months or so, mm -hmm. or eight months. Um, and especially I'm intrigued to see what they can do with the ball. Yep. And not in a typical, you know, side gets promoted to the Bundesliga and now they are defending for their life or something. No, they, it's more about what they can do with the ball and especially the midfield triangle, the midfield trio, uh, Endo, Mangala and Castro mm -hmm. is, I think, has the potential to be the breakout midfield of the season. I agree. Um, and uh, we mentioned Anton, even like someone like Stenzel, I, I know he's not mm -hmm. the best like right back in the world or something, but he, he player with potential. Gonzalez, of course, The main man in their attack is still injured, but he's coming back now, or he's about to come back. Silas uh, on the wing, also someone with lots of potential, and I think a fan, yep. fan favorite for a reason. Uh, Didavi, if it wasn't for injuries, he would probably play for Borussia Dortmund or something. Mm. Um, so just looking at all the single pieces they have, that's a great team. And then looking at the coach and what he tries to do, I mean, of course it doesn't work out always, but it works out often enough. Um, I think that's just a great, that's, that's a team you can get excited about. And it's a team w w you like to watch and you like to follow unless you yeah. are a uh, Colts or a Freiburg fan, but um, you, or Hoffenheim maybe, you know, the, the local rivals. But um, yeah. just as an outside observer, you think like, that's that's a team I, w I want to watch. Like, as opposed to Werder Bremen, where you think like they don't have a midfield, you think they have a great midfield and they have a great team overall. So what, what's what's the thing you like most about them? What's the thing, or what do you think about their midfield? What do you I, think about their style and possession? I guess, yeah, I guess like ambition is what I like about them because like Pellegrino Matarazzo is American from, you know, New Jersey. So I obviously relate to that and <laughs> somebody who worked his way up through by, by, by moving to Germany at like age 22 and spent 20 years there kind of, you know, lower lower leagues and then, you know, kind of coming up at Toffenheim and Nagelsmann is, is somebody who helped a lot in his career. Um, but 
ambition, what I mean is like he wants to dominate like all phases of play. So they're um, even now like they have the most attacking third pressures. Um, and I saw this against Leverkusen, where Leverkusen under Peter Bosch is an extremely good possession team. And in the first half, they particularly struggled against Stuttgart with just, you know, almost like Roger Schmidt style pressing of just sending, you know, six or seven guys and even having like numerical advantage in pressing and really, really did, did some did some good things there. Um, there's obviously a lot of pace and, 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 you know, a lot of these young guys that you mentioned um, who are going to be good at that, but also transition, you know, with, with, with a guy like Ramangituka or you mentioned Mangala as well. Um, but but there's also like a lot of control, which, which I like, and, and this is what I like in, in possession. So even out of the back, you know, Marco Liberkamp, I think, is a pretty decent passer. Mm. Um, obviously, Anton's good, but my, I think my, my standout player is Wataruendo, who, if he was like 21 or 22, like, I think so many i i would he's 27 right and like he came from belgian sort of midway through last season and i think really altered their their season um as they, as they moved on from um tim balter uh he he's he's somebody who reminds me of like hasebe a little bit and obviously you know <laughs> both japanese but super technical he one of the things they often do with him is he'll start out as a number six but then like become the third center back when they have to take somebody else like did that against leverkusen he's a guy who's really really pressing resistant uh but can also press high there's, there's and you know fairly athletic covers a lot of ground i, I really really like overall super player like somebody who i, I watched a little bit of him last season but uh, now I'm, i came away really really impressed impressed with him and you mentioned mangala i think even at hamburg he was a guy who's really good at box to box like just a prototypical kind of you know that that, that athletic box to box guy and then he, our, our favorite gonzalo castro who is like I, I kind of think of like I can't really think of like a good comparison with him, but he's he's like maybe like the James Milner of the Bundesliga, if that's if that's something. Uh, where it's an insult to Milner? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I hopefully not to anybody, but like he's, you know, he he's he's still so smart. Like he he's often like the highest presser. You know, um, we saw this against Leverkusen. And he, he takes up so many intelligent positions. But like last season, he played like emergency left back, like almost like uh, the Thomas Tuchel years. But um, I think he played right back there. But um, he's he's a guy like you can just put him in like any position and you know you're going to get like a good performance out of him. Um, but it's also like they're not really relying on him that much, you know. So that's what I like about Stuttgart. There's, there's, and there's, so, I mean, there's so many other players. I would want to talk about, but it's. I think it's just more that ambition that like they will play with everybody and they can they can hang with anybody. That that that's what. I, and I think they're not going to stay. Not really going to like change their style um, based on really the opponent, which which, I, which is something that I that I really like, especially with promoted teams. Absolutely, and I think they have the ambition to hang with every team, and uh, we will see what happens when they go up against Bayern or Dortmund. Um, yeah. Maybe they will be uh, more reluctant to do that and maybe be more defensive and uh, sit deep, but uh, I think, especially when now Nicolas Gonzalez comes back from injury, they have also another really individually gifted player that can make a difference in a, in a different way. Uh, meaning that even if you are as a team are struggling a little bit and can't dominate the match, you got someone who up front can make things happen on his own more or less. 
assisted by Didavi mm-hmm. and, and Mangala and Castro and Silas, but um, someone who has just the skill set um, you need probably is because most teams need at least one of these outstanding attacking players, and I think he is he is the one. Uh, I think Didavi maybe has more talent than Gonzalez, but problem with Didavi, he uh, he has so many injuries. You don't really know if he's at one hundred percent or if he will ever be yeah. at one hundred percent again. I think he's at like eighty five or something. That's that's what it is. That's his baseline now, um, or his ceiling. I should say. So, but I guess one thing, yeah. So there's one thing I wanted to add on them is that the other thing that I really like about them is, is they can have so many different versions of this team. Cause a lot of times what they'll do is like, they'll bring on two completely new wing backs, like, and they're, they're more attacking like Koulibaly, Tangi Koulibaly. I think he's, he's, he's just like stupid, exciting when he plays like just, just ridiculous dribbler. I, I even like Roberto Massimo, who's also a lot of a lot of energy, and then um, I, it's just it's just, just so many options. Like Philip Clement, I I, I mentioned we should get to him. Like he will come in and he'll be like the sort of deep line playmaker, and they'll drop Endo back, and he's gonna be really good at set pieces and just kind of these little dump off passes and half spaces. I, I, that's what I like that, that, that there's like so many versions of this team and I think I think Philip Furster is going to be good when he comes back you mentioned Gonzalez like the potential of this team to me is like almost limitless and in some ways like what the type of football they try to play almost works better in the Erste Bundesliga just because it's you know just because there's like better teams obviously and I think sometimes like they will still struggle with like ball progression like that, that that's not always very clean and you can like Leverkusen had some success in the second half against them, but I really, really think like I, I agree with you. Like they're not going to win the league or anything, but like they'll just be really super fun to watch. Speaking of super fun to watch, <laughs> probably it's not now. Now uh, Joker's coming. Eintracht Frankfurt. Oh, okay, I thought Schalke is coming. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I don't believe that they think they are coming anytime soon. Uh, no, but <laughs> but Frankfurt. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Frankfurt at least, um, because just like I think Augsburg and and also Werder Bremen in a way, um, they might have overperformed, or they are so high up the, the table that you're thinking like, oh, they are not a mid-table team, but I mean, they are a mid-table team at heart, and I think they will be back in mid-table region um, in a few in, in a few weeks, I think, or at least um, after the first half of the season. So. What do you make of Eintracht Frankfurt? And I want to especially talk about two things. First, mm-hmm. and we talked about it uh, a few days ago um, in our in our own chat. Um, what what do you think about their build up play? In brackets, mm-hmm. it's horror. Uh, and and do you think? And what do you make of the Philip Kostic situation that now he got injured? You know, wasn't available for um, their match against Hoffenheim. So. Is it even a blessing in a way, a blessing in disguise that, that he is injured and they don't rely on him so much? Because I think when I think about Eintracht Frankfurt and I think about them, or when I think about them last season and even this season, it's like Philip Kostic, Philip Kostic, Philip Kostic. It's like he's yeah. he's their I main think- guy, their go-to guy, but not in a healthy way. Exactly, Maybe we can yeah. talk about Kostic first before we talk about the build-up. Yeah, I mean, like, 
I is somebody that whose career I followed like super closely, and this ties back nice to with Stuttgart because I think that's where he came up, and and that was like that's sort of the 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 negative example of what happens when you're kind of overly reliant on Kostic because you saw this like he's I think he's gained a lot of fans over the last two seasons, and rightfully so. Like he's pretty much turned his career around from being almost like a bust that a huge bust at HSV and then there's kind of like getting this, you know, move to uh, uh, Eintracht. And I, but I, but I'm always think like, you know, with Kostic, there's a lot of things that you gain, obviously it's all the crossing, it's the super intensity, but I think it, he's also a good litmus test for like how closely people watch matches because, you know, superficially he'll get a lot of these great numbers. And I think he does a, lot of stuff really well but then he's also like a horrendous shot taker like he has like you know some of the worst shots in the Bundesliga in terms of quality and then he's also like not a very good defender um especially in the wing back oh, like I mean when they like oh, this is I think something they had to do last season is put in Endika as like a left back because you need to protect against Ostich because he doesn't always track back and you saw this against Bielefeld that's how they scored their goal um and he's also like somebody who probably you don't want him to be like the number one high highest usage guy. Uh, and he works well when, you know, there's other guys he can cross to and he can, you know, interlink with when he did the sort of the sort of, uh, you know, Rebic and, and, and Jovic era. And now that those guys are gone, maybe, maybe he thinks like he's got to be like that. And I think that was kind of true last season where like you just, I, I did a deep dive on what's wrong with them on, on my uh, newsletter. And, and it was just like, he, you know, he, he was just uh, less efficient with, with, with more volume. And um, I think obviously it's not good that they lost him uh, because you could, you could have made the argument certainly last season that he was their best player. But I think also maybe now you don't have to rely on him as much. And then you can give, you know, more of that, uh, to Hasebe, you know, being bigger part of the build-up, or you know, Andre Silva and Bastos being more involved, or Kamada, who I think is kind of the secret star on this team, maybe not even so secret anymore. But um, yeah, I think I think that's that's probably why. Like, it might be somewhat of a blessing that that what you're saying that he's out. Yeah, I think I watched several uh, Frankfurt matches uh, over the course of 90 minutes, and um, there were times when Frankfurt they were so hostage heavy so left leaning not in a political way yep. um, but but <laughs> leaning towards the left side with their build-up play with just everything they did basically was was just focused on this one player and on the left wing and getting the ball there in perfect situations and and when there was one defender one fullback that would just you know had Kostic's number um for whatever reason good preparation just being skilled um then like there is nothing going on uh, for Frankfurt and they were just paralyzed by Kostic be not being in the game. And even the first match they had against Bielefeld, I think Bielefeld did a good job in neutralizing Kostic for vast parts of this mm -hmm. match. I mean, he had the assist to the, I think, Bastos. There was you no know, Silva goal, but it was like there was a nothing situation. He was, uh, yeah, he played across forced, yeah. in, in in out of desperation, and that that got yeah. deflected and you know l landed on um, Andre Silva's head, I believe. So 
it wasn't really an costage assist in in terms of like mm-hmm. being del- a deliberate uh, play. Um, so I, I, I believe, I mean, you never want a player to be injured, and I think uh, he will be back. But I think sometimes it's good to you know maybe have a couple of weeks without the player and try to figure out our race to um, be a team that can score points because it's only costage. Um, it was too easy, and also, in my opinion, there was quite the opposite to VfB Stuttgart. That's why I wanted to talk about Frankfurt after Stuttgart. Stuttgart, are, they are ambitious to dominate every phase of the game. And with Frankfurt, it looked like they just wanted to dominate one phase <laughs> of the game, basically getting the ball into uh, to yeah. the left side and into the final third, and that's it. And everything <laughs> else that, that doesn't matter. You know, that's just, just let's let's get Kostic there, and that's it. And if our games look horrible doesn't matter if we look horrible as a team doesn't matter if we play bad doesn't matter we just want Kostic to get the ball and and um score goals or uh, make assists mm-hmm. so that's i don't think that's good enough um and i think one other re- or one other thing you see with frankfurt um is also showcases that they have issues um is their build-up play yeah. so what they are usually doing is or usually doing under Adi Hütter is that they play a back three and two center midfielders, Sebastian Rode, Dominic Kor, or right now, I think that the guys they, they usually use, uh, Stefan Ilsanker is there as a backup, but um, usually it's uh, Rode and Kor, and then Rode is yep. the playmaking-like center midfielder mm-hmm. in, in a weird way, and Kor is more for, there for intensity and counter-pressing. But it doesn't really work out that well, and their structure is so off in a way, um, that they have the center midfielders playing really wide and no one is in the middle and they don't have any progression through the middle. And I think, I mean, that brings me back to the Kostic situation. I think that also comes down to them not really focusing on um, building a structure that really favors an effective build-up because they, they thought they don't need one. But what do you make of their build-up, and I know that you watch some of their matches and um, also um, try to figure out what they are doing when they have the ball and play out of the back. Yeah, this is kind of something they've, they've been doing, and it's not something I was a fan of, but they often have like this redundancy where, in addition to... like Sometimes they'll use a really, really wide back three. So like their, their, their side center backs, like Abraham or Hinteregger, will be like hugging the touchline, and so that We'll have like the center back Hasebe will be a lot of times uh, covering a lot of ground by himself. So what they often do is they'll drop like one of the center mid, either um, the number six is either like a Zanker or Roda as like an additional sort of center back. And but sometimes they're building up against like one striker or two strikers, and it's like there's no reason for you to have like a four v two because you know it's just you're just losing, uh, you're just giving up the central spaces. And in addition. The only person that they have in the center place usually receiving is, is is Kamada who can do something, or like they'll have Bastos who's really really deep. Like he'll be like in the center circle deep, and they have just one striker up top. Which is I think they used to do this with 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 uh, Alaire as well. So, but but those are better if they can play long balls to them. But at least like Alaire, you can play him behind. You couldn't really do that with Bastos. Like he's basically just like I think you, you mentioned like it's like Javi Martinez, so he's not involved in the build up, so just, just kinda of get him out of the way. Um and they have like really high uh, wing backs with Tuber who 
he's interesting because he can be, you know, right-footed as well. So he has got more options in Kostich. And then Almami Toure, I think, now has made the wing-back spot his own. But, yeah, the, the, their main source of progressing is is Hasebe dribbling. Or, like, he'll he'll find sort of a incisive pass. But a lot of times, like against Hoffenheim, that was a pretty big pattern that uh, Hasebe would just uh, get between the two strikers, um, Dabur and, and Kramaric. And then he would just kind of get get to a dribble, but then oftentimes, like he will he will dribble, and then usually the the sort of three central players, Dost and like Rode or Kamara, they'll just be man marked. So he'll just go and he'll get to like the center circle, and then they they he'll have they'll have like two wing backs against wing backs, and then they have like Andre Silva matched up against like three center backs. <laughs> it's like it's really hard to kind of progress the ball. So this is actually kind of a big problem for them in the first half. And even like in the second half, you'll, you'll see like um, Hasebe kind of getting into the second line and just have like no real combining options because all those other players are not, you know, uh, that well enough, not really structural um, elements there. But I think like they really don't mind. Like I think Hütter in some ways doesn't really care about the buildup. It doesn't seem like they're working on it too much because what they really want to just do is get into counter-pressing and transition and, as you mentioned, crosses and just just make the game about athleticism sometimes. And I think this season it's working well because I think we mentioned this in the preview that they're, they're not going to have the, the crazy, you know, 29 games between the end of July until December. So they're going to have a normal schedule and it's looked like it's, it's working out and, you know, I, I picked them to be one of the surprising teams. I think it's working so far, but it's not It's not going to be, like, aesthetically pleasing. No, absolutely not. Um, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what, what will happen with Frankfurt because I think in terms of the quality of players they have, they can easily finish right below the, like, top five, yeah. top six, mm-hmm. um, or let's say top five. If you say like, I picked them fifth, actually, like on uh, on the TV show, I picked a- them fifth. ahead of Leverkusen. Then, yep. All right, interesting. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, Leverkusen without Rashica, right? <laughs> 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 no, but I, I'm not sure. If, if I would rate them below Leverkusen, but right there in, in this this uh, best of the rest kind of spot. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they could finish there, but they could also have another mediocre season and just finish somewhere in the in the yeah mid-table obscurity although we said there is no mid-table obscurity um but talking about let's say ugly football in a way that can be successful and that's the last topic for today fc augsburg mm-hmm. so i mean it's it's hard to talk about a club that is second um and, but in the same way or in the, in the same moment, also thinking about like how ugly might not be the right word, but how unattractive their style sometimes looks. But that's exactly what's going on with Augsburg, right? I mean, they play, um, <laughs> yeah, not proactive. They don't really care about possession. They don't really care yeah. about anything in terms of like dominating football we talked about Stuttgart like they want to dominate all the faces Augsburg they don't want to dom- do anything other than counter-attack and 
beat opponents and break their hearts. That's that's to me it's yeah. Augsburg. You know they make it ugly, unattractive. They they make it to the point where I think like t television viewers are just I'm I'm out of here. All right, I, I don't care anymore. Um, <laughs> it's it's too much. It's too much. I can't I can't watch it. But on the other hand, it's been quite successful the past few weeks. So should we still call it Heiko Herrlich ball? Is it like is he the German Pielsa? The German Bielsa. Uh, that was a joke. Sorry. Yeah. No, that yeah, was I a joke figured, because, yeah. because a hellish ball, you know, like it'd be, uh, yeah. uh, no, so, of course not. Um, that was, a, of, of course, an obvious joke. But, but what, what, what's going on with Augsburg in your opinion? Because I don't really, if, if you would ask me about all the 18 uh, clubs in the Bundesliga, right? I could tell you a lot about 17 and I could tell you, uh, most about how they are successful and what they want, what they try to do. And I could also tell you enough about Augsburg and, and what they try to do. But I, I'm not really sure if I could explain why are they successful. So, like, you're in luck because, like, I spent last year, you know, I think up until COVID, I watched back, like, every game of them, which says, some, says more about me than, yes. than anything. And uh, I made, like, this huge sort of presentation. I actually even sent it to the club and whatever. Um, so, but it was not it was not enjoyable, for sure. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a, like I said, it says something more about me. Um, but no, nor was it efficient what they did last season under, you know, um, Martin Schmidt as, as well. Um, so it's it's kind of like, I don't know, like, the, the thing that I like about them now is that they really have this identity. Uh, and this is going to be like leading the league in clearances. Like they have 134 clearances and the second team has 85. <laughs> this is after, this is after three Ridiculous. matches. Like this is insane. Like this is like the Darmstadt of, of uh, um, I think a couple, couple of years ago when Darmstadt came up, but they just didn't really care. Um, and, but, but they also have like a lot of these, and this is why I like their transfer market is that they, they bought a lot of these, you know, grinding veterans which they already had a bunch of them with like Andre Hahn, but you know, the Kali jewelry signing, I thought was really good. Cause he, he really fits this identity, right? Like he's, he doesn't really care. Like how many times he touches the ball, you just know he's going to score against Dortmund or whatever. Um, they also have like a good depth now because they really, they, they got rid of a lot of their sort of dead wood. And this includes like Daniel Bayer, who I really, really like, but uh, you know, The, they have this thing where, where up top they have, you know, basically like uh, Finn Bogason as a backup, who I think is super overqualified. Um, Gregoric is playing with Niederlechner, and I think that's a pretty good combination because Gregoric can do a lot of things. Um, you know, maybe, you know, he needs to be on this, this kind of team, but um, do a lot of things. And you can, you have like uh, Jensen, who's a very good dribbler off the bench, Richter and Vargas usually are backups at this point because they're playing Andre Hahn and Kali Juri because like it's the same thing like they, they want to get the excitement out of football as much as possible and just get results and it's working really well so you know there's no reason for us to complain we'll, we'll see if it works against Leipzig because you know um, against Dortmund it was really effective but it also was I would say somewhat fortunate um, against Wolfsburg I thought they were pretty fortunate to to just draw um, and then the Union Berlin match, I thought was pretty even, and they they basically scored like all of their chances. So um, there, there's good like I mean, 
the team makes sense though with 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 Iago and Thumberger who are like you know fairly defensively solid and athletic fullbacks so it's not like Philipp Max who who left to uh, Eindhoven to I guess now play with Mario Götze <laughs> um but uh like he was not super like he's similarly to Kostic where like you could attack the space behind him um yeah and you can have like Strobel who doesn't doesn't play that much but I like him as a signing because should they want the ball like he's actually a guy who can pick out some of those passes so it's it's just it's just like the team makes sense and Gikiewicz I think is an underrated signing because I think we really saw in the Wolfsburg match what what his value is because he's he can make those big saves which maybe Luta is not going to do but I mean it's just it's just kind of just just kind of weird what what they do with with these things because they really don't want to carry the ball um they don't want to have the ball in, in the midfield like the, the touches in the midfield third they have like 571 which is 100 fewer than anybody else even even Werder Bremen who we just made fun of um but but they you know they, and then even, like you know they they don't they don't like, but they, they get into the box sometimes you know and they still get into um with dribbles you know they they will they, it's not through receptions it will be, be these long balls or actually like the way they press once they get into their sort of defensive shape in the 4-4-2 because they will often sort of have the the the, the wide midfielders Kalijuri and Han will apply pressure sometimes in like a 4-3-3 where one of them will join the attacking line it's usually the ball sided one uh, and then they do, do super good work rate like Kalijuri leads the whole league in pressures and I think he's got he's up there in tackles so uh, it just it just makes sense that that's the way I can think about it. I mean, I don't know, like it, it's not fun to watch them, but it's actually like <laughs> it, it's some it's like sort of in a sort of weird masochistic way. It's fun. It's fun to watch them for me. <laughs> All right. Okay. I mean, if you're into it, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I won't judge you. Uh, no, but I, I think you mentioned one thing that, like, for even for fans that haven't watched Augsburg that much, um, and uh, you know don't want to probably because we talk about them as as if they are the, the worst thing since I don't know uh, since 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 something evil happened to the world right um, can't come up with, with a good example right now but uh, you mentioned that like they play Andre Hahn and Kalichuri I mean Kalichuri is a great player but they play Andre Hahn and not Wishta for instance like which yeah, is something Vargas, yeah. yeah because because they, they want Hahn's speed and I think it's it's important Impressive that Han is still a thing in 2020, but all right. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, well, his speed is still it's like, there. It's like Felix Felix Paslak level of impressive. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, yes, especially era. Well, I mean, Paslak playing at Dortmund is impressive. Yes, I mean, yeah. him him being in the Bundesliga and making some waves is not that impressive. But I think yeah, uh, Andre Han being a thing a thing in 2020 is also uh, really really in- impressive, and that shows you something how 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 focused and how driven they are to counterattack and to play for, uh, f- um, coming from these turnovers. And basically they are, they are a team that really they relies on, on these turnovers and quick transition attacks uh, more than any other team in the league. Like even, even, even some of the teams that are counterattacking sides, they are still, they are not relying that much on counterattacks than, than what are transition attacks than, than Augsburg, which makes some of their matches, of course, weird. And I'm really intrigued. You mentioned RB Leipzig. I'm really intrigued when they are now going up against some teams 
that have better counter pressing. So what's going to happen yeah. when their pressing is then countered again and they don't can get these um these transition attacks. That's that's really something I want to see. Because then Heilig, um the as we said, the PLs are of the Bundesliga. No, just kidding. <laughs> no no <laughs> please please no letters and no emails from Bielsa fans. All right, it's just a joke because like Heilig is um underrated for a reason. Um, or maybe fairly rated for a reason, as as not uh, one of the better better coaches in the league. Although I mean, he does some things well at, at Augsburg. I give it, I give it that. I mean, it's, I think I think he also in a way because he came up from this uh, second and third league. I think in a way he coaches Augsburg like he coached some mm -hmm. of the teams in the second uh, third, uh, third league. Jan Regensburg, yeah, yeah, Regensburg especially. Uh, when he came to. Uh, by Leverkusen, he tried to be a real Bundesliga coach, and now he just doesn't care anymore about that. Um, he just coaches them like like they are playing the Bundesliga too, and why not? Uh, but uh, I mean, they are playing like a like a second division side, but with far better players, of course. So I mean, that's probably something uh, or a reason why these things work out to an extent. But of course, I mean, I think in a few weeks we can talk about Augsburg again, but then. I expect him to be uh, more in what they are usually should be, more in like tenth place or something, eleventh um, place. Which is really good for them, right? Yes, because um, there were a lot of people who um, anticipated them being in the relegation zone from the start, and that's not what happened. And I think like getting seven points out of the first three matches is already a good result for their first goal or their, their major goal staying in the league so um i guess at least if you look at it from that perspective it's not that bad or it's it's a great start for them and even if they now start losing matches um uh, at least they gathered more points than expected uh, early on in the season so there you go but um overall it's just it interesting um and i think of course because they're already only three uh, matches being played um, you got some of these weird results where you got a, a team like Augsburg that basically plays anti-football in a way um, is uh, in second place but of course we will see how things work out and I mean you see we only talked about a, a few teams in the Bundesliga so there's so much to talk about in upcoming shows and upcoming episodes of our show um, and we promise you to Talk about you know the misery of Schalke, um, Bayern Munich maybe again, Borussia Dortmund, uh, but also maybe Mainz, who are mm -hmm. also in a struggle in a in a big way actually, and all the other teams in the Bundesliga in next weeks and months. So you can expect us to be yeah in your ears fairly soon again. Thank you, Abel, for joining me, and thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Make sure to catch us again very soon. Mm -hmm.